Good morning. <clears throat> Have many of you stood up here before? This is scary. You'd think at 73 years of age and 42 years of missionary, someone would have it all together. But uh, I'm afraid I still haven't got it all together. As I stand here today, I feel a sense of privilege to be invited to be with you this, uh, this uh, weekend, to share in this wonderful celebration with you. I'm humbled too, uh, because at this stage in my life, my regular preaching assignment in Pasadena is with a seniors group of 20 at the most, most of whom are 80 and 90 years old. I don't get this privilege very often to share with a larger group. But being here this morning, uh, one of my favorite hymns uh, continues to stir in my heart. It's a hymn that many of you will remember, will recognize, will know. We rest on thee, our shield and our defender. We go not forth alone against the foe, but strong in thy strength and safe in thy keeping tender. We rest on thee, and in thy name we go. We rest on thee, our own great weakness feeling and needing more each day, thy grace to know. And I'm thankful for the grace of God. So thank you for uh, allowing me to be here with you today. Our theme this morning is uh, spiritual encounter and celebrating the Lord is God. We're looking at 1 Kings 18, at a familiar story. It should be familiar to most of you. It's a familiar story of the prophet Elijah challenging the people of God to make up their minds and choose whom they will serve. Would you bow with me in prayer before we proceed any further? Speak, Lord, as we, your servants, listen. Speak now through your word some message that will meet us, challenge us, encourage us, stir us at the point of our need. Speak now through your holy word. Holy Spirit, we invite you in this place to speak to us. Show us Jesus. Show us the next step, perhaps, in our walk with God. We give you this time for the glory of his name. In Jesus we pray. Amen. So the prophet Elijah is challenging the people of God to make up their minds whom they will follow and serve. Will it be the creator God? Or will it be the idolatrous religion of Baal? Let's read uh, chapter 18, verses 20 and 21. So Ahab sent to all the people of Israel and gathered the prophets together at Mount Carmel. And Elijah came near to all the people and said, How long will you go limping? between two different opinions. If the Lord is God, follow him. But if Baal, then follow him. And the people did not answer him a word. 
It was not a time for compromise. It was not a time for being wishy-washy. It was not a time for sitting on the fence. It was not a time for sitting back and let someone else do it. If the Lord is God, follow him and all that that entails. I'm fascinated by this word limping. The people were limping between one opinion and another, wavering between one opinion and another. Uh, that's, that's very unfortunate if that's a picture of our, of our walk with God. Our walk with God should be a, a confident walk, trusting in the Lord, assured of His presence. But so often, so many of us, myself included, have, have looked at our, our walk with God and found that we're, we're, we're limping. One minute we're following the Lord and the next minute we're offered a tangent. Then we come back again to follow the Lord, but then we're offered a tangent. We're, we're limping through. It's not intended to be like that. Here in the story, Elijah faces the 450 prophets of Baal. This false god, this false religion, and challenges them to, if you like, a spiritual contest. We read it in verses 22 to 24. Then Elijah said to the people, I, even I, am left a prophet of the Lord. But Baal's prophets are 450 men. Now let two bulls be given to us and let them choose one bull for themselves and cut it in pieces, lay it on the wood, but put no fire under it. And I will prepare the other bull and lay it on the wood and put no fire to it. And you call upon the name of your God and I will call upon the name of the Lord, and the God who answers by fire, he is God. And all the people answered, it's well spoken. Let me say a word about the reality of spiritual warfare. This is a story of what one might, what one might call a, a power encounter. An encounter between the power of God and the principalities and powers of darkness. Now this is relevant to us today because as God's people today, we live in a, in a state of constant spiritual warfare, encountering the powers of darkness. Whether we realize it or not, whether we, we've grasped the reality of it or not, there is a mighty opposition set against us. We have an enemy who seeks to harass us, hinder us, discourage us, destroy us, and anything to do with our relationship with God and our walk with God. When our lives seem to be going along quite nicely, thank you very much, and when things are going sort of smoothly, when everything's in place and our hearts are at peace, it's hard to imagine. It's easy to forget that we are engaged, involved, impacted by this state of spiritual warfare. But the reality is there. And that is one reason why time and time again I find myself turning back 
to Paul's instruction and teaching in Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 10 and following, where he is saying, Finally, brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you might be able to stand against the wiles of the enemy. I'm fascinated by that little passage of Scripture. If you notice in verse 10, Paul starts, starts out by saying, Finally, brethren, finally. That word finally is very important. Finally, brethren. What do you think he's saying there? Finally. Do you think Paul is adding something to the end of his letter there? Like, a, like we would a, a P.S.? Or, or, or by the way, let me just mention one more thing. Not at all. When Paul says, finally, brethren, Paul is getting to the point, that the major point, the major thrust, the major focus of his letter. This is why he was writing in the first place. It's taken him so long to get to the point. Well, because preachers are like that. But the reason he wrote to the Ephesians in the first place was so that they might know that we do face this opposition against us every moment of every day. Therefore, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might so that you might be able to stand against him. Time and again these days we find ourselves asking what on earth is going on in our world? The hatred and vitriol is reaching levels we may have never seen before. The violence and the death, the chaos, the confusion, the corruption, the abundant evidence of brokenness in our world. What's happening? The reality is we live in a very broken world. We are living in a constant state of warfare with the powers of darkness. I find myself referring again and again to this statement from uh, uh, Martin Lloyd-Jones where he says, it is my belief, and he wrote this in the 1960s, but it is still relevant today. He says, it is my belief that the modern world, the world in which we live, the modern world can only be understood in terms of the unusual activity of the devil and the principalities and powers of darkness. Elijah was living at a time in the northern kingdom of Israel when wickedness pervaded the land. Those of you familiar with your Old Testament will be familiar with the fact that king after king after king of Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord. They did evil in the sight of the Lord. They did evil in the sight of the Lord. And so it goes on. And Elijah in the midst of all that is seeking to be a faithful preacher. Seeking to call people back to God. Seeking to turn people back from their wicked ways. To seek the Lord. And thus he cries out here, if the Lord is God, follow him. And so a brief look at the story. We read verses 25 and 26. Then Elijah said to the prophets of Baal, choose for yourself a bull, 
Prepare it first for your many and call upon the name of your God, but put no fire to it. And they took the ball that was given to them and they prepared it and called upon the name of Baal from morning until noon, saying, O Baal, answer us. But there was no voice. No one answered. And they limped around the altar that they'd made. There's that picture again. The prophets of Baal take the bull, killed it, cut it in pieces, laid it on the altar, and they began to call upon the name of their God. It tells us that they danced around their altar as they shouted, but there was no response. And at noon, Elijah mocked them in verses 27 and 28, saying, Cry aloud, for he's a God. Either he's musing, or perhaps he's relieving himself, or he's on a journey. Perhaps he's asleep, must be awakened. And they cried aloud and cut themselves after their custom with swords and lances until the blood gushed out upon them. All throughout the morning and into the afternoon, the prophets of Baal shouted and danced. They slashed themselves with knives. The blood flowed and they continued this frantic activity, seeking to move their God into action. But at last there was no response. So then it was Elijah's turn. He stepped up. He prepared the altar of the Lord. He arranged the wood on the altar. He cut up his bull, laid the pieces on the altar for a sacrifice to God. He then went a step further and he asked the people to uh, pour water onto his sacrifice. And not just once, but three times they thoroughly drenched his sacrifice until it was overflowing with water and soaked. It is what happened next as Elijah prayed that really catches my attention and is really the focus of our morning uh, teaching today. Elijah's prayer. Listen to Elijah's prayer. O oh Lord, God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, let it be known today that you are God. Answer me, O oh Lord, answer me, so these people will know that you, O oh Lord, are God. I want to, I want to repeat that because that the way he prays, it just challenges me so much as I reflect on the way I pray at times. Listen to Elijah. Maybe close your eyes and try to imagine Elijah there on his knees before this altar and he's saying, O Lord God of Abraham, Isaac and Israel, let it be known today that you are God. Answer me, O Lord, answer me. So these people will know that you are God. His prayer reflects his faith in God. 
He knows who God is. He knows that God is sovereign. He knows that he is a God who answers prayer. And this was not some ritualistic, routine kind of prayer that he was praying. Neither is his concern simply that God perform some spectacle or some sign or wonder. Notice the focus of his request. It is so that these people will know that you are God. That's what he wanted. He has already expressed uh, the longing of his heart at the beginning by saying to the people, how long will you limp between these two opinions? If the Lord is God, follow him. If you're going to follow him, follow him. One of the significant recurring phrases, I'm fascinated by recurring phrases that occur throughout Scripture. One of the significant recurring phrases found throughout the Old Testament is, uh, is the oft-repeated cry and longing of prophet after prophet uh, as they say this, that the people would know that you, O Lord, are God. That the people would know that the Lord is God. That is the desire of God's heart. That people would know he is the Lord. And then live their lives in the light of that truth. That was God's desire for the people of Elijah's day. And it's still true for every people and every person today. This is one of the great motivations behind the whole missionary movement. That all the peoples of the earth would know that the Lord is God. Think of the desire of God's heart. Why do missionaries go to the indigenous tribes living in the Amazon jungle? Why do we take the gospel to the peoples of Africa? Why are many workers risking their lives to share the love of Jesus across the Middle East? Why are there colleagues of ours serving among the Tatar? serving in Malaysia. Because it is the desire of God's heart that peoples of every nation know that he is the Lord. <coughs> and that through him alone is salvation. Through him alone is true peace with God and security. And that's why we pray for the Malay. That's why we go to the Malay. That's why we send workers and support workers among the Malay. The Malay are a people loved of God. 
For God so loved the Malay that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believes in him among them would not perish but have everlasting life. God desires for his glory to be manifest among the Malay. God desires for his kingdom, his kingdom rule and reign to be real among the Malay. God desires that they know him, not just know about him. One of the problems with the Malay is that in, in the context of their religion, they feel they cannot know God. You cannot know him. We pray that they might experience his presence and worship him. Just back to our story in 1 Kings 18 to close off this morning. Let's notice what happens next following Elijah's prayer. In the very next verse, in verse 38, it says, Then the fire of the Lord fell. Ha! The fire of the Lord fell. And it burned up all the sacrifice, all the wood, all the stones, all the soil. It licked up the water. And in the very next verse it says, When all the people saw this, they fell prostrate and cried, The Lord, He is God. The Lord, He is God. We long to hear that declaration from the lips of the Malay. We long to hear them say, The Lord, He is God. To pray as Elijah prayed. That's the challenge this morning. You go back and look at his prayer when you get home. And see if the Lord doesn't stir your heart to begin to pray like that. But to pray like Elijah prayed, we need to know God as Elijah knew God. If you don't, could I urge you, could I encourage you to go deeper with God? To press in to know God and His presence. Because if the Lord is God, follow him. We live in a day and age again when it is not a time for compromise. This is not a time to be wishy-washy. This is a time to be strong in the Lord, to follow him, and to pray as Elijah prayed. Would you bow your heads again with me? Thank you, Father, for your word. We are challenged today by the simple, by the simple challenge, really, if the Lord is God, follow him.
Stop sitting on the fence. It's not a time for compromise. This isn't a time for leaving it to someone else to get on with. We hear the call today. You are God. We commit today to follow you. And as we make that commitment today, we pray, O Lord, God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, let it be known today among the Malay that you, O Lord, are God and that they will follow you and enjoy the preciousness of your presence the salvation that you offer, the peace with God that comes with that salvation, and that sense of hope and assurance and security in Christ. For the glory of your name, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.